This is episode 64 of Tunnel Vision with guest Lloyd Davis. Tonight we talk about what's it like to be a time traveler from 1985 as a tourist in Europe and Lloyd? And creating space for collaboration by doing as little as possible. That's it. It's the Lazy Man's Tunnel Vision. Join us. Welcome to Tumble Vision, episode number 64. Today is Thursday, May 12, 2011. Tumble Vision is a weekly salon-style podcast about how to connect and create a world that puts people at the center of business, tech, and culture, where our human and tech selves intersect. Each week, we explore various dimensions of tumbling with smart folks creating this new world. What is tumbling, you might ask? Tumbling comes from a Yiddish word, which is to tumble. To tumble means to make noise, kind of like the English word tumult. Tumblers were traditionally hired at weddings to encourage guests to dance and were comedians at bungalow colonies who spent the entire week connecting with guests and then performing at the end of the week. So they got to know the community and have a personal connection with them. And we here at Tumble Vision believe that the answer to the question, how do you collaborate in a networked age? How do you run things when life is not a bunch of command and control hierarchies? You tumble. So the show is hosted by yours truly, Deb Schultz, Kevin Marks, and Heather Gold. Both Kevin and um, Heather are en route in different places this week, and so I'm taking the helm with our guest this week, Lloyd Davis, who is graciously um, joining us from London, where it is now 2.30 in the morning. Hello. Say hi, Lloyd. Hey. Hi and, Hello. And Lloyd has been described as a social artist and community builder and is doing a lot of really, you are doing a lot of really cool projects, which we are going to talk about in a moment. Yeah, sure. Um, First, I thought we'd sort of jump on any uh, top stories or news this week. And usually we have a whole bunch, but I have not been able to come up with too many because I spent last week, um, ironically, a little bit offline in Copenhagen. Uh, where I gave a workshop on creating exceptional user experiences and had a great user experience myself in the fact that I got to um, sort of doodle around Copenhagen for a couple of days. And the the interesting thing that happened to me, which I thought was a lot of fun, was, um, and it's a personal story, but relates to tech, is that I lost my cell phone at one point. Uh-huh. I, I lost my cell phone on Friday afternoon and all of a sudden sort of woke up to the fact that I was going to have to be a tourist as a time traveler from 1985. Mm. <laughs> Got it. And it was really yeah. interesting to me to see how we change our way of traveling in the world with or without technology. Oh, it's amazing. It's changed completely. Yeah. It com- completely. And yeah. what was really fascinating was the hotel I was staying at was one of these newfangled sort of very simple business hotels. Mm-hmm. And it didn't even have a phone in the room. No. It didn't have an alarm clock in the room. It was all organized around the fact that you had your own cell phone, you you know, that you just mm. needed a place to sleep. And it was just really fascinating. And then, of course, I started saying, okay, if I don't have a digital device with me at all times tomorrow while I'm trying to tour, I have to, like, sort of do my research at night and write yeah. down where I want to go. Yeah, you have to carry around bits of paper. 
oh my goodness, I have to write stuff down. It was, it was, it was, it really switched my, I, it, it really gave me a window into just how much, and I pay attention to this stuff, Mm -hmm. just how much we live in a just in time sort of world. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think my experience of it too, is that it makes it's decision-making it, it 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 shines a light on how we how differently we make decisions now about what we're going to do and when we're going to do it and especially when we're doing it with other people we're you know we we've we've changed completely how we make arrangements oh totally you have to make an arrangement and, and i am to it Exactly. Oh, and stick to it. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and exactly. Good point. Because two of the people who were in my workshop wanted to go around touring and they both gave me their cards and said, call us in the morning. And then I was like, okay, call you in the morning. Well, I'm in a hotel that doesn't have phones in the rooms. <laughs> yeah. So even if I wanted to leave them a message, mm. I couldn't have left them a message. And there was no guarantee they were going to check their email. It was such um it really was a very different, and, and I started to embrace it. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to be totally like just work by my senses for the day. And then, of course, the, the, the complete opposite happened, and I woke up to the fact that it's an iPhone, and I can do the find my iPhone feature, mm-hmm. which, I, which I don't know if anyone out there wow. listening has ever used, but it was fascinating. If you lose your iPhone and you've... Um, turned on this feature, it will find it for you with the GPS, as long as you have a computer to log in. And you can then proactively leave um, an outgoing SMS on your phone with an alarm. Oh, okay. So I was able to see exactly where, pretty close, I had left my phone in the conference room in the hotel next door. Uh, yeah. And uh, and leave a message saying, hi, I'm the owner of this phone. If you find it, will you please? And I got my phone back. So... <laughs> It was pretty. It was pretty funny. I got it back the next day, but I, I kind of living without the Uber connectedness and having to sort of um, trust your instincts a little bit more, or or not get completely anal and and sort of write everything down that you're going to do. It was very mm. interesting. Yeah, it was a very yeah. different way of being, um, and got me thinking about all the all the ways, the little ways that we. We live so incredibly differently. And the way our systems, I mean, I was giving a talk on user experience, the way our systems are built around these tools now, Mm. right? The fact that this hotel did not have phones or alarm clocks in the room because they realize we carry phones and alarm clocks with us wherever we go, right? It was really interesting. We're we're viewed as incredibly self-sufficient, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. And and we are, and we... um... And we and we keep it that way, and and I guess there's no, I don't know how many payphones there are on the streets of Copenhagen these days. Hmm. I, I mean, we still have lots of phone boxes and uh, and payphones there. The infrastructure's there, but when, I've never, I can't remember the last time I saw anybody use one. And and actually, mostly our phone boxes are are, are used as advertising billboards for prostitutes. <laughs> Right. And, and I was thinking also they're so iconic in London, you could never get mm. rid of them. There was a big story a number of years ago in New York when we finally got rid of, or maybe we were down to the last two phone booths, actual uh-huh. booths, as opposed to yeah. like little stands, right? Um, and uh, yeah, I don't, I don't even know if I would know how to, how to, <laughs> how to, use, how to use the phone. I'd have to co- figure out what I'd have to buy a phone card. 
and scratch off a number on the back. Wow, yeah, it would be, it's incredible. It's not, uh, yeah, it's just, a, it's another, it is like going back in time. It, uh, it was, it was totally like going back in time. It was like, okay, it was like I was traveling back after college when, mm. I mean, there were, di- there were, um, it, it did get me thinking about community and connection when traveling though, because I don't know about you, but there were, um, there is this concept of, there were all, there were all these places like, um, when I traveled a little bit, a little bit of backpacking where you sort of left messages for people on, oh yes, on boards, right? Yeah. Physical boards. Mm. Right? And uh, I don't know. We don't really do that anymore. <laughs> no. Maybe no. some people do. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there are still places in the world where people do leave, leave boards. I'd like I'm to sure. think like mm. they do. Yes, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's possible, but it, it doesn't, it, that's that's been my experience too of just hearing people talk about um doing it mm-hmm. that, that 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 it's completely changed that there's a whole that there used to be a um you know uh a whole thing about a visitors books in 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 backpackers hostels so that right. you know um leave leave messages about what what you'd seen, where 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 to go, what what kind of things were, you know, how things worked locally, um, and those those things don't exist. I wonder if any what has happened to them in historically. Like, you mean in terms be... of ar- archiving those those? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They probably yeah. I don't know. That would be an interesting little project, right? Yeah, Digitize the yes. backpacker. I remember. Yeah. I, I I just remember a place. You know, the pizza joint where you left a note on a bit, like the, that. Yeah. That whole sort of secondary um, cultural connection that yeah. that sort of had to be in the know. And now we do that, I yeah. guess, online. Yeah, uh, and, you, and you would talk to people on the road. I mean, much yeah. More. As well, because you you're not you you weren't connected. You didn't have anybody else to talk to. It's true. You weren't. That's a that's a really good point. Actually, I think um, at some point I was sort of downloading a couple of uh, travel apps, right, for the particular city. And 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 specifically, one person when doing a review of one said, "This is a really great app." And and of course, you don't have to look like a tourist. Yeah. Today. No, we that, we hate that, don't we? We hate looking like tourists. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there was something kind of charming about being a tourist and mm. rest, and wrestling with a map, you know? Yeah. 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 And it sort of identified you and, you know, either in a dangerous place, it could be a bad thing, but in a, but we really, we don't, we don't like to be, be viewed as, um, it's like human nature to be viewed as a tourist. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one, I don't, uh, still, I, you can walk through central London and see plenty of people struggling with maps. Yes, uh, that's true. Walking around. It's, um, and it's, books. Yeah. And it's a great way to meet new people. And just, I, I, I frequently just go up to people. If I see them, see them struggling with a map, I will go up to them and say, you know, do you need some help? Oh, I do the same thing. I, I, I was for a nanosecond, a tour guide. So mm. I, um, I, I can't resist <laughs> helping someone yeah. out struggling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I and I, I love, I love the city, and I love right. seeing people enjoying it. I, I, you know, I really appreciate living in this town that people come to. You know, some people spend 
long, you know, years trying to get here and um, and pay lots of money to come here. And uh, I don't think we, as Londoners, really appreciate it enough. Yeah, I think as a New Yorker who's living in San Francisco, I mm. think New Yorkers and Londoners, same same thing. Mm. Uh, I was very, and I don't know if London ever had the same sort of scary city um, uh, reputation that New York had at a given point in time, but I would also completely go out of my way to yeah. uh, try to be a, be a friendly New Yorker. <laughs> <Yeah>. of, <laughs> wow. Yes, I, we are I friends. I, yes, I didn't meet any of you when I was. Oh, that hurt! <laughs> right, right in my right, right in my heart, uh, right in my heart. Well, anyway, I thought that was kind of interesting. There's, there's probably other ways that things that we've lost and things that we've gained with, um, you know, with technology as tourism help. I mean, one thing that I was very conscious of um, was was it wasn't actually that much more helpful all this tech, you know, like the, the guides and the things like using GPS and finding out what was nearby and all this. It wasn't, I still think a paper guide is, mm. is there were things that were great, you know, when you're walking from place to place, um, yeah. you, you don't get lost as easily, but there, there were definitely some things that were lost and I played with a bunch of them. I should sort of write up a review on what it was like to be without, but oh, then yeah. I went totally to the other extreme and like downloaded every possible app, you know, um, mm. to see what would happen. But, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Also, you know, you don't, you don't mind so much, um, looking like a tourist. I don't mind walking around with a big piece of paper in my hand. If I'm going to do that, I'd rather do. I'd rather walk around with a big piece of paper in my hand than with my smartphone in my hand, in a place that I don't know. Yeah. If I'm not feeling why? comfortable, well, because I don't know. I just feel like I, I would feel more vulnerable with an expensive piece of. Oh, I see. Than, oh, that. Yeah, <laughs> That's a good point. That's a very good point. Um, yeah, but I think your point about um, about we're never really alone on or with our phones when we travel. Mm. Yeah. It's, it, that is the, that is a really interesting observation. Like, mm. so you, you don't feel, and I did, I had this feeling for that half a day that I was without it, a feeling like, wow, I'm really alone. Like not in a bad way, but like mm. there's no well, one I, who's contact or connect with me. And so sure. I haven't had that in years yeah. when I was well, traveling. I had, um, else, you know, I, I, I had a portion in, in the, in the trip I just did across the <laughs> States. Um, when when I was cut off because not because I not because I lost the tech but because the tech lost the uh, the, the ability to connect. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did I did um, a train journey from Seattle to Milwaukee. Like really, yeah, uh, and that's a forty three hour train journey. Um, basically, I went on. Uh, I left on Sunday evening and got in on Tuesday morning, so. So the Monday was essentially Montana and North Dakota. There you go. And you know, I uh, my phone was my phone was useless to me. I there was nothing I could really do. Dead. Dead. Yes. To- yes. <laughs> yes. There are trains that go from Seattle to Milwaukee. Well, there's one that goes every day. Interesting. Yeah. And, and all right, I have two questions for you. So, a, why did you yeah. decide to take a train? And uh, yeah. And did you end up talking to people on the train because there was no ah, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. 
Sure. I also ended up doing, spending a lot of time looking out the window at flat snow and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and being, I, I mean, I was trying, you know, I really wanted to be present in the journey. I, I deliberately didn't bring books with me or too much stuff to do because I didn't want to get dragged off into some other world. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it was, it's, it's a really meditative experience to do oh. that. Trains are great, yeah. Especially, well, they are, and and I did the, I did the whole thing by train in the end. Um, wow! I, I set out without any. Well, I, I kind of I kind of had a prejudice that I would end up, doing it. but um, yeah. Now, and then who else is on? This is totally taking us off our usual d- discussion route here. <laughs> no pun intended. But who else is on that, a train like that in today's day and age? Um, well, I mean, you sort of get... deliberately chose it. So. Sure, sure. Well, uh, what I uh, th- lots of families. Okay. Lots of families and older people. Okay. Um, a few, um, a few kind of businessmen, but it, uh, people vacationing, you know, in in bits of Montana, for example, you know, people from Chicago going out and exploring a bit um Uh easier uh, than driving that hole that's a lot of miles yeah yeah and people a lot of people doing it for the novelty of the experience ah okay i was wondering that's kind of cool yeah um and then there there are some um some very drunk people oh interesting um, that's a good. That's a good route to. Do, you know, that's a yeah. good mode of transportation if you want to drink. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and a few kind of crazy Euro- Europeans who um, don't don't know any other way to travel. Oh yes, they. Yeah. <laughs> oh silly me, I forget. Yeah, yeah. That Europeans do travel by train. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't travel by train that much uh, over long distances like that in America. Yeah, yeah. Um, we do the, the, the north-south routes, I think, a little bit more than the inner routes. Mm, mm. But I, yeah. I, I do. I love the train. There's something very, um, like you said, meditative about it. Kind of, kind of well, neat. The 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 journey in the end, the total, to, totally, I did about eight thousand miles um, wow. in uh, in the month. Oh. That's a lot. Wow, that is that is. Yeah, the idea of a the idea of a train um, in today's day and age is 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 something. Uh, yeah, it's something that we sort of don't think about that much anymore. I think it's kind of cool, but the whole concept that I've, you know we should probably do a whole show on tumbling and travel <laughs> because by the time I left Copenhagen, of course, I was giving other people advice on where they could go and what to do. It's just the nature yeah. of yeah. Some, yeah. some people just like to share that. So, yeah. you know, without further ado, I was going to bring up a couple of, um, uh, you know, other news stories from the week, but I really wanted um, Kevin to share his points of view on them, and he's having trouble connecting with us. So I wanna, let's just jump into the man, the myth, Lloyd Davis. <laughs> So yes. you come to us because um, I think Heather and you connected at South by, correct? We did, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We, it it took us about three days, but we managed to do it in the end. Finally, and you are currently a, a, a title that I love: social artist in residence at 
University of London's Center for Creative Collaboration. Yeah, that is the longest job title I've ever had. Oh, yeah, but that's more the University of London's fault than your mm-hmm. social artist is not that. So can you explain what the Creative Collaboration Project is? Because it's, it's fascinating. Of course, yeah, yeah. Well, it's a, it's a 4,000 square foot space in central London, in King's Cross, um, that is funded for two years. Um, and we're halfway through the project um, to create a space where people from the creative industries and higher education can get together and share um, whatever it is they they need to and want to share, uh, so that we can we can get some of the um, good thinking out of our out of our universities um, and helping people uh, to to do to do cool stuff um we it's a you know it's it's certainly the most interdisciplinary thing i've mm-hmm. ever been involved in the, the opportunities are there for really anybody to come along and um set up a collaborative project um you, you know we have a very simple process for for bringing people in um, nice. three criteria um is it creative is it collaborative? Does it have anything to do with higher education? If you can hit any two of those, then the likelihood is that you can you can come and work with us. That's very cool. So, so the objective was to to transfer knowledge, sort of from university to creative industry, or yes. vice versa. Yes, and, or, and vice versa. Yeah, and vice versa. Yeah, um, and specifically around collaborate. Is it is it called creative collaboration because people are collaborating or is it like the study of collaboration as well? Well, we're ending up, we're ending up st- studying it ourselves. Yeah. Yes. Those yeah. of us who, who, who are there all the time, we can't help but look, but look at it and see how it's, you know, see how it works, see what we're learning about, about how you can facilitate this kind of stuff. Um, but no, primarily it was, it was really, um, I think about creating a space where it can happen and then seeing what happens. It was very much, a, you know, it's an emergent. It's a little Petri um, dish. Program. Yeah. 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 I like that. And, just, I like and, that. And, and, and actually to prove that it would work, that we could, that you could have a place like that in a big, in the middle of a big city like London, um, mm-hmm. and that there was the demand for it, that, that you could get all of the different higher education institutions working together because, you yes. Know, Historically, all the politics of that it can can really get under your feet, and whether it was whether it's sustainable financially too, um, yeah, that's that's one of the big things we're we're working on is how do you do all of this stuff and and get the people generating revenue as well as generating cool ideas and interesting product. Okay, so that's what I was going to say. So what are some of the cool ideas and quote-unquote products? So it's not just a sort of a theoretical study of, like, what are some of the projects that people have brought and are, well, that are going on? We have, um, we have a small startup there at the moment called PaveGen Systems who have um, – they they're making paving slabs uh, that have a, a light fitting in them, and they light up when you walk on them. Hmm. So they, they, they turn the kinetic – kinetic energy of your foot fall into light and energy. Um, it's like they, digital breadcrumbs. It's a, absolutely. Um, 
So, um, so there, there in there, we have uh, a woman who ma- who's making skirts um, with electroluminescent wire sewed into them, um, so that when you go out at night and go out dancing, you've got a you've got a skirt that lights up. Oh, awesome! Um, I love that. That's they're, fun. They're, they're fantastic. We've got a bunch of architects. Uh, currently, a guy working on a project, an architecture project. Um, about how you how you might um, get into the the Rome subway to do repairs without disturbing archaeological um, stuff in the ground. Oh yes, um, and um, yeah, look, you know, lots of different types of things. Now, are yeah, are any of how did are are these people? Um, are these projects? Are these people who are, are at the university or outside the university? It's a mix. And it's a mix. It's, the, oh, the, interesting. You know, some some of the you know those architecture guys are at the uh, at the Bartlett School of Architecture right. at the moment. Um, you know, we, the, one of the things that one of the things that um, worked early on was a collaboration between the the architecture school and one of the drama schools in London. Really. To make. A, to design and hopefully build a uh, a portable uh, theatre, a, a theatre that you could put on the back of the truck uh, of a truck, and it would. Well, when I think of it, I like to think of it as like a, like a transformer, and you press a button, mm-hmm. you know. I, <laughs> it's like the, the traveling theatres of yore, as yeah, they say. Yeah, yeah. but it, yeah. but it 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 came in kind of two modes. One was box office mode so you could drive into town and and have a box uh-huh. office, sell all your tickets and then pull some levers and and press some buttons and it would turn into um uh a theater space that you can perform in i love it and we we hosted that for a long time and and and, and what we found in that was that that just hosting the project gave it a new lease of life giving it an, a neutral space in which it could it could live with some people in there you know just being yeah. in, in a workspace really really helped rather than trying to work, run it in one institution or the other. Yes. I, I was going to ask you a little bit about that because I've done some work around lab concepts and mm. I tend to build bridges between startups and big companies. And I think, you know, one thing that we discuss a lot here on Tunnel Vision is um, – we sort of hinted at it with our opener is now that we are all connected, even if you lose your cell phone, mm-hmm. when traveling, multidisciplinary study is so much more important. There's so much more we can learn from each other. So it's very interesting to to um, to have learned about this 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 program that exists and and the fact that University of London is funding it and you know. Where did the funding come from? Is it from the university? Was it someone that granted money who is recognizing the importance of this kind of collaboration today? Not, uh, no, it's, it's all, well, it's a, it's a mix. Um, my colleagues, Brian Condon and T.S. Martin and Neil Gregory, who, um, who, who started the project, um, basically spent about five years going around knocking on people's doors, trying to get a little Uh, bit of money here and there to, to make it work and to get a, to get just to get a, a prototype working, this is a prototype for the, for something they want to do on a larger scale. But yes, the, a large bit of the money comes from the from the University of London itself, which is a federal, the, fed, the federal right. body that 
that looks after all the colleges. There are a couple of colleges, Goldsmiths and um, uh, Royal Holloway College, um, both have given a little bit extra money um, to make it happen. There's some there's some funding also from um, uh, uh, HEFKI, the Higher Education Funding Council. So uh, li- some public, some bit. private. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, no private at the moment. No private. No private. Not well, private. you'll. That's, because... that's what we're working on, you know. I mean, part, yes, yes, part, yes. Partly, what we're doing at the moment is doing cool stuff to attract people who um, who might might come in from other sectors. Um, yes. Well, that's that was sort of yeah. That was sort of what I didn't mean to interrupt, but that was sort of what I was going to ask you about because I've played around with this in the private sector, and um, uh, you know, an area that I'm really interested in, and it connects to sort of the tumbling stuff, is design thinking. Everyone's mm-hmm. talking about design thinking these days, and and there seems to be, whether you're in the tech space or not, or in other places, a, a real focus on multidisciplinary is the way to succeed today. And I think um, it, it'd be interesting just to hear from you. So, what happens on these projects? Like, what have you seen? What aha moments have you had working in this program for the last year plus um, that you could share? Well. Um... I think I think the big one for me is that it it always comes down to ego. <laughs> um, you know, with love that. That's a great. Question. That's that's the bit that that's the there's 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 a sticking point in in everything, and it's either um, it's either individual identity. It's either a, a people being really attached to who they are, mm-hmm. and therefore not being able to to work with people from different disciplines because you know you just don't understand how the world works um or people getting really attached to organizational identities right so you know now that's that's easier to that's easier to break down in a in an environment like the center where you know it's all supposed to be about us letting go of of that organizational identity but still you get a large group of people from one college and a large group of people from from a company and you know it's very difficult for those people to let go of the fact that i'm i'm from this side and you know we're from the other side but yeah um and i know from my own experience just sitting you just sit in meetings and, and one of the things that you have to learn to practice is this just letting go of the idea of you know who you are and what you know and that that being the important thing the important thing is that you're here right now in this space with these people having this conversation so what are we going to what are we going to yeah. talk about you know how yeah. what's going to go next right and 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 hopefully a shared um challenge problem goal can mm. can focus people yeah. away from that but it is very you know, I, I, I find that you, people either come to it more naturally or less naturally. Um, it, it is no surprise to me that, you know, interestingly with my work around tumbling, I'm coming back to sort of user experience and human-centered design and all these things because you can't 
connect and create interesting stuff unless you're shifting your lens, right? Um, Away from yourself and towards the other, whatever that project is that you're working on or the goal or whatever. And so much of that is, is, is how whole you feel as a person, I guess is really important. And, And how you can move in and out of it and whether you can, you know, whether you can just, just suspend it for the next hour while, we, while we're going to do this little bit of work. Now, what is your, you know, you have this title as social artist. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. yeah. I love well, it, but, uh, but for those listening, w- what is your role and why are you mm-hmm. there? So I'm there to help curate the social space there. I'm help- there to help. Um, so people, people are coming in and working on interdisciplinary collaborative projects. Mm-hmm. However, the risk is that you would end up with lots of small groups of people working, beavering away on, on things, collaborating like mad, mm-hmm. but not actually talking to each other, you know, in between, in between projects. So partly my role is there to ease the, um, you know, the transfer of stuff between individual individuals and between projects in the um who are using the space uh and just and just you know create some lubrication for that uh and we you know part of what i do is i is i brought the tuttle club into the into the space um because for me, getting back to your question about what, well, what is what is social art in in terms of definition for me, I define it as, um, you know, expressing ideas, making beautiful things, using human relationships as the medium. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> I have to pause and think about that for a minute. Can you say that again? Yeah, it's expressing ideas and making beautiful things using human relationships as the medium. Now, there's there's an there's an interesting divide there. You could that that could be a horrible manipulative. Um, I was thinking that <laughs> thing exactly. Um, so it it has to be done with some love and humanity. It has to be about has to come. From, you have to come from the point of point of view of 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 wanting wanting the best for people and um, and caring about them doing what they want to do and what they what they need to do um and then getting out of the way of that yeah that's really what a tumbler does so that's why i love it i mean social artist tumbler we chose a word purposefully that had that no one was um connected to for that reason yeah um yeah. now when to me what i'm what i'm kind of curious about is who acknowledged that that this role was necessary at this project um, the founders, um, oh, them. because they, I mean, I, uh, the interesting thing was that I had been involved in the development of the space already because one of the founders had come to the Tuttle Club. Tuttle Club is a, is a, yes, I was going to ask you to explain oh, the Tuttle oh, Club. Well. So Tuttle Club is a weekly meetup. We've been running for three years now, every Friday morning in central London from 10 till midday. Anybody can come along. It's very unstructured, informal. Uh, we just drink a lot of coffee, meet lots of people, talk about what whatever's going on um, for us. 
Um, and and Brian had come along and and found Tuttle about eighteen months, two years ago, and he came and he st- he was talking about this this place that he wanted to create, and so um, basically, you know. A, we found each other and we, we knew that we got on well and, and over the period, a period of time knew that we wanted to work together. But B, we could see that the, the kinds of things that go on at Tuttle, which seems to me to be very much about what you're talking about with Tumbling, yes. um, w- would be vital to a space like that. Um, it's the, because it's the it's the bit that gets missed it's the best bit that that gets left out so often yeah it's crazy it always gets left out um i, I you know I, I passionately hope that as you know our society moves forward and whether it's in business or the arts or other things that there's a more explicit acknowledgement of the need for that as opposed mm. to an implicit one. I met with a startup um, in Copenhagen and we were talking about the issue that they even get it and they want everyone in the company to sort of be in charge of customer service, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, but even even still, someone has to be connect the dots as a company grows, or in or that or like you said, in a project, connect the dots between people and projects and share learnings. And you know, uh, and, I, I and, hope you know. Yeah, and encourage people to participate and and to and to talk to each other. I mean, I don't know. Maybe this is maybe this is an, an, a British thing, but. Um, but we, we, you know, we can on occasion become quite reserved and insular. Um, and, you know, and that's often got a lot to do with fear of looking stupid, of saying the wrong thing, all those kinds of things. And, and, and I think a lot of the time my role is to, is to create an environment where, where people can just say what they're thinking. And I will try and draw. I will draw, try and draw that out of them and encourage them to talk about what they're doing, not just in the you know face to face and in and all you know in the work that they're doing, but also to write about it on the web, because our greatest you know the the, the greatest engine for make, for for growth and making stuff happen is do cool stuff, write about it on the web. Yeah, that is you're right. Two cool stuff Repeat. right about it on the web. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love that. Uh, um, which is equivalent. Yeah, right it on the, right on the web is the equivalent of share, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know. Um so I think uh if you're just gonna uh, to me there's an acknowledgement that you have in your role that, that there's something that people can learn from each other in everything. You know, yeah. and as I'm typing this, I'm seeing someone just typed something about the sharing economy <laughs> on Twitter. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, it's obviously a happy thing. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, one of the reasons we want to make this much more explicit is people think, oh, we're all connected now. We're all sharing now. Uh, that's it. It's done. Right? As if it just sort of happens. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't. It takes people like you. It takes an acknowledgement to pull things out. What are some of the ways that you think that you are able to create an atmosphere that enables people to share? Well, mostly by by stepping back and not doing stuff. By being oh, there. explain, explain. I, well, I, um, so 
you know, this is something I've developed over a number of years, but of do, of, of doing uh, of facilitating open space. Um, ah, that's your background. That that'll yeah. do it. So, yeah, and what I noticed and what I learned from other pra- practitioners is that you have to do less. You you know, always do less. The the people in the room are smart enough to do it. They they need you to kind of hold the space and they need you to to um at, at different points to give a little bit of direction and maybe a little bit of energy and and um and some encouragement to to do things that they might be otherwise afraid to do but um most of the time they need you to get out of the way and let them get on with their own process um now let me ask let me challenge you a little bit on that and and will you explain what open space is to folks who are listening and may not know what open space is well yeah the best the best way to yeah Google Open Space and, and, and Harrison Owen, who's the guy who, uh, who develops it and ri- has written a, a large amount about it. It's a way of organizing um, groups to, um, to talk about and, and do stuff um, in a, an emergent way. I mean, it's, if anybody's been to a bar camp or an unconference, right, it's, exactly. it's, very, it's very similar to that. That kind. Well, they they took off from that. They you yeah. know sort of yeah. and uh, and uh, but, people forget that it was around before that. But yeah. yeah, but the group gets together and and decides on an agenda for for the time that they're together, uh, and then they get on and act out that agenda. Um, but it's all about the 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 group and the, the people who are there um, driving it, rather than any individual or any kind of previous previously decided ideas yep yep yeah exactly and getting out of their way describe because on the one hand we talked about you sort of have to encourage people to share and on the other hand it's getting out of the way so well yes but one of the way the ways the way that i like to encourage people to share is to do it within the conversation rather than to do it outside of the conversation Mm -hmm. so not not to say not for me to sit in the middle and say, as you might do on a on a radio show or a, a panel talk, you know, so and so, why don't you? Perhaps you've got something to add to this. Rather to engage with the person directly and talk to them about what they're talking about, um, and in that way encourage them to talk talk about what they're what they're interested in. Um, so it's a lot of listening. Yeah, it's it's about, but it's about being part of the conversation, not about stepping stepping back from it. Not not not. Yeah, you know, we have this we have this idea, I think, with with groups and especially with you know those large groups we call organisations or corporations, that uh, if you want, if you if your role is to in some way manage it or help it happen, then it's possible for you to step out of it and look at it and think how it should how it should work and put it back together again now i don't believe that that works really very well because we're just groups of people and right you know there's only so much you can do in terms of stopping yourself being a person and looking at this group of people you have you know it's much easier for me to engage you know, as as a peer, as as somebody who's um, on an equal footing. 
Right. It it changes the um, it changes the whole tone. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. when you when you have that sort of equal. I was going to say equality, well, yeah. but yeah. you know, well, level. Well, I don't want to use that word, but um, well, of course, you, equal you guys, respect. You guys have built. You guys have built a whole country on it. You know. <laughs> I think um, philosophically, I think you're right. I don't think we always live by it. You know, that was oh, no. one of the biggest. Oh, no. The biggest ahas to me the first time I went to London mm-hmm. was the fact that there was this explicit acknowledgement of hierarchy. Right, yeah. that it's sort of built in, and 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 we have that here, but we sort of pretend we don't. So this, it was sort of refreshing. It was sort of refreshing in an odd way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was it was kind of interesting. Um, you know, oops, I think I'm I'm silenting a little bit. So I think this creative the creative collaboration is is a model for the future. Um, frankly, uh, I, I hope I hope it does grow and we get more stuff. Well, one, one, of the, one of the things I'm quite sure of is that, we're, you know, collaboration is – we're in a collaboration right now. Right. Yeah, you know, this, this – all conversation is collaboration. It has um, to be, and, unless I keep talking over you, but that's and, – <laughs> and, and vice versa. All, right. all collaboration needs to be based around conversation and, and interaction between people. Uh, and as we've created this tool that – you know this global infrastructure for creating com- and and enabling conversations between people all over the world mm-hmm. naturally i think we're going to we're going to be collaborating more and we need to understand that we need to you know we need to we need to learn from our mistakes and and how it how it goes wrong well we really need to figure out how to live together in this sort of global connected universe i mean you know i can be that can be in a, either either in a really earnest sort of mm-hmm. you know we're all caretakers of the planet sort of way you know in a green way or it can be in a uh, in a in a in a very sort of uh, the fact that businesses have to be more porous because only ecosystems and platforms really succeed in this world, you know, yeah. as opposed to. Yeah. So I think, yes, I think it's a little bit of, of everything. Uh, how, how did you get involved in this? How did you like, I mean, you, you talked about the Tuttle Club. Yeah. I mean, where, where is your um, collaboration and community and background? I mean, I find it fascinating to find out. Uh, well, it goes way, it goes way, 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 way back. Um, Kindergarten? Yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember it from then. But Did you encourage everyone maybe, to play together? No, I don't think so. I no, I didn't. I I I felt very much on the outside. I think a lot of it is about me. You know, a lot of my involvement in this stuff is about me recognizing that it's something that I'm not. I'm not naturally very good at. And, Interesting. Um, and I and I, but I but I know that it's important, um, and it's something that I that I always wanted to be able to do. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, it's, so it's it's about practice. One of the reasons I I show up for Tuttle every Friday is because I know I need that practice um, of you know suiting Asking. up, and get, yeah. getting there, and 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 being being in a group, listening, caring about what's going on, being there to just serve the the space. 
Yeah. Well, what's interesting about that is uh, one of my favorite quotes, I think I said, is that uh, it's probably some Chinese proverb, but it is kind of interesting how we always think that we need to learn from experts. And ironically, experts on a subject are usually the worst teachers on it because it uh, it comes naturally to you. So figuring out how to unpack certain things are very hard. So I, uh, you know, we found in our discussions around tumbling, Kevin, Heather and I, that people are either drawn to this concept of tumbling and community and connectedness either because it comes Mm. very naturally to them or totally the opposite. So it is interesting to hear. I mean, with me, it comes inherently naturally and, uh, you know, it's, it's unpacking what it is that I do is very subtle and hard to Mm. figure out. Mm -hmm. Um, did, did you, did you do some of this in a former, in a prior day job? Um, uh, yes, I did. I um, and and the way I got there was I, I mean I when I when I first left school I went um, well when I first left school I had a year off and I I spent a, I spent a year partly working in theatre and partly working in uh, in politics. Um, oh, there you go. Well, Two collaborative areas. <laughs> exactly. This is this was the the early nineteen eighties and it was a great time to be, you know, angry and. Um, <laughs> And young, and have lots of energy, and 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 go shouting at people. Um, yeah. And so I did a lot of that, and then I went then I went went off to drama school and trained as an actor. Ah. Um, uh, and found actually, what what I really found was that my my big love is for improvisation, is for, you know, a lot of a lot of my work ends up being around how how can we. How can we get away from structure? How can we have the minimum amount of structure in what we're doing to allow for uh, to 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 make something happen, mm-hmm. but not to determine what happens too much? Um, and you know, how can we how can we walk through this thing? It's interesting because I'm sure. Um, it, um, um, hopefully, Heather will be able to join us shortly. We're trying to get her online. Mm-hmm. We knew she. We knew she'd I be see, late because she's I it. See her, I see her going, ooh, ooh, I'm trying to get yeah, in. I'm trying I to know, get in. I'm trying to get in uh, because, you know, you'll, uh, you'll have a lot to connect on. Heather has mm. more than once said that a lot of what she learned about tumbling learned in improv classes Absolutely. where you sort of have to be in the moment. And I've never taken a class. I've only had the benefit of observing sort mm. of the, some of the tool. And what you talk about is how much structure do you need? in order to make the story or the skit or the whatever play out, I guess. And versus, um, and, and, and there's also, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. There's also, I mean, there's code in in improv. There's, there's, um, there's kind of, uh, maybe code isn't the right word. There's types of improv. Like you sort of know that we're going to do this kind of thing. So that's, that's sort of the, That's, that's structure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that all stories have the same structure, you know, hero's journey and all that. So improv has um, the fact I'm, – I'm trying to t- unpack it as it relates to community, but you kind of know once you go down a certain path, you you kind of know how it's going to resolve itself, but you don't know what's going to happen in the middle. Is that kind of – Yeah, 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 which is which is what happened with this with this trip I did across the States. Because mm-hmm. I, I started in San Francisco. Basically, I started with a plane ticket to San Francisco on the first of March, and a and a, a ticket out of New York on the thirty first of March. Yep. And I and everything in between was going to be up to my online social network to help me work out. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, brilliant. I mean, I, we have someone in our chat room, Fluzy Speak, who said, who's comparing sort of current um, companies or projects to improv. So code improv is kind of GitHub, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Design improv is Dribble. Uh-huh. Which I'm not as familiar with. So, um, nope. and soap soapbox improv is Twitter, which is really interesting because Twitter, when it first started, wasn't soapbox, but it is a soapbox now. It's soapbox. Yeah. I think that's brilliant, Fluzy. I'm gonna tweet that out if that's okay. So we 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 live in a world that requires a lot more improv skills. If you're living in real time all the time, right? Yep. You need better improv skills, either personally or professionally. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, uh, what are some of, um, you know, what are some of, if you could, we usually um, sort of do some tumble tips at the end of our show, but sort of we're, we're not quite at the end yet, but we're in the middle. What are some of the, can you break down like literally a tip on how to do improv or how to tumble or how to be a social artist? Like wow. you said one earlier, you said one earlier, sometimes it's about getting out of the way. What are some other things as a student of this that you think that you do? Um, well, I think, I think there's something important about accepting that people are, that people are people and, and mm. remembering that and making it explicit in the conversation, you know, drawing people's attention to the fact that we're, we're, we're just people trying to do something here, not, um, not an organization, not a, not a club, not, a, not even a, a team. We're, we're just, uh, yes. we're, just folk. we're just folk. And, um, I think there's that. I think, um, mm, I mean, that's I think, a hard thing to do. And I try to do that in, biz- in, in, in my business mode, my day job. Like when people come into the room, and I ask I, nine times out of ten, they can't do it. By the way, I'll ask them, please introduce yourself, but don't give me your title or what company you're with. When I give yep. a workshop, they can't do it. They they, yep. they they will do the and. I'll ask them to say a word or or, or something else to get people out of their usual mm-hmm. roles, yep. but they can't. Very rarely, and especially in Europe, by the way, mm-hmm. can they can they introduce themselves only giving their name and some other fun thing I've asked them to do. They always have to say where they're from. It's sort of. Sure ingrained in us that we are our titles you know yeah 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 right. so I think um, that's a good one yeah i think there's also something about um re- reminding people that they are that everybody's here on the same basis mm-hmm. that, that when you walk into a room full of people who are all chatting you know everybody's doing the same thing Every, everybody feels not everybody, everybody doesn't necessarily feel the same way. Some people are more comfortable walking into that situation than others. Right. right. But, but most people do feel a little bit of, oh, I don't know quite how I fit into this space. Um, and, and that's okay. So, well, you know. yeah, acknowledging that there might be other people in the room feeling the same way as you, like we're all in this together kind of thing. Exactly. That's right. that's one of our mottos. Yes, we're all in this together. We're all in the boat together. Absolutely. <laughs> but we forget that. I mean, and it sounds very trite. Yeah. But doing yeah. that, but doing that at a meeting or a project or whatever it is. Yes. So, well, I say, so, people, there, so, so there's a, there's a, there's a tip. Don't be afraid to say the trite thing. <laughs> I 
that's a great one. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's a cliche for a reason. Absolutely. Because it's because we're doing something fundamental here. We're just doing something very simple. We're people talking together. So, yes, cliches will arise. <laughs> I okay. like that tip. Uh, yeah. um, that, that's a good one. I'm thinking. I, yeah. I, I also, um, well, the thing I have to remind myself is that I, you know, I can always learn something from everybody. Right. Um, because it's very easy for me to, to, to get into a position where I am being the teacher, where I'm the person who knows what's going on here and, you know, and, and I'm going to tell yeah. you how it is and, and how we do things around here and, you know, and why you're not doing it the right way. Um, and to, to, to be able to just let go of that occasionally, it's a physical thing. It's kind of, I'm, if you could see me right now, you'd see me wiggling. Are you um, wiggling? <laughs> I was just throwing off a little bit of uh, excess ego <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> to allow myself to just That's um, great. forget the idea that I know anything. And, oh, that's so funny. And so, so yeah, which leads me into, in a roundabout way, into into this thing about being right. Yes. It's very, um, it's the thing that I'm most attached to in the whole world is being, is, is that I, I must be right. And it's the thing that gets me into the most trouble. Gets you personally in the most trouble. Yeah. Because when I'm when 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 I decide that I'm right and therefore you are wrong, um, or either either you're wrong or you're you're right too, and you're on my side, and we can we can beat argue together, right? The the other group of people into uh, submission. Yeah, without without reflecting on what what it is that I'm talking about. It's, you know, I'm 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 just stuck in in being right. Uh, and then, yeah. then I realise that I'm wrong, and then what do I do? When I, especially when I'm standing up in the in front of a group of people and, <laughs> and they're all listening to me, yes. Uh, and I realise that I'm wrong. It's the hardest thing, but it's a really important thing to be able to say, "Oh, hang on, wait a minute, I just realised uh, I'm talking complete crap here." Sorry. <laughs> Well, you know, it takes that you got to be a, a big man to be able to say that. A, you have to be a, a word that I find myself using a lot, and I would never describe this when I, I give these workshops, but I find that I'm doing all these digital therapy sessions lately. I mean, I get to talk to really senior people in business about the digital world today and, you know, creating um, exceptional user experiences and things like that. And I find that they very often turn into digital therapy sessions. <laughs> yeah. Please. A. And mm -hmm. B, especially around user experience lately or design thinking, it's uh, the word that I put up on the board at the end of the session, if we've been talking about frameworks and process, you know, all the stuff around design thinking, is empathy. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. You can't you can't design a good product, service, conversation, um, experience, anything without empathy. You know, and yeah. empathy does not necessarily mean feeling the others. I mean, it really means putting yourself in the other person's position so you can sort of understand. And if you need to always be right, 
then you're not mm. in an empathy, you're not in an empathy zone, right? No, you no, just can't, no. You can't. Yeah. So uh, I think empathy is a big one. And I think people mis- misunderstand em- the word empathy the same way they misunderstand the word narcissism, you know? Oh, really? I've, that's, yeah. yeah that's, that's, well, that's a new one for me. What, what, what do you mean by that? I'm going to start interviewing you now. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. It's only the no. two of us. How do, how do people misunderstand narcissism? I think people think that narcissism is someone who's just, uh, who's, who has, um, is arrogant and has a big ego. Uh-huh. Narcissism, someone can be narcissistic and incredibly insecure. It yeah, just means that, it just means that you're the opposite, you know, that you're just totally self-absorbed narcissist yeah. and looking in the looking in that mirror and you can only view the world through your own lens, right? I, I see. Um, yeah. but I think uh, you know, one of those it's one of those psych terms that sort of got into the vernacular and everyone thinks that oh, you're so narcissistic, which means you're mm-hmm. you've got a big ego and you're so full of yourself and and that's the way I think people use the word, which isn't really, yeah. yeah. And now Floozy in the chat room is saying empathy is getting overused. Mm. Is it? Oh, really? See, see, Floozy's saying that UX people uh, always use the word empathy and not being a traditional UX person. Uh, I just think it's important. I, when, when, I wonder when using the word empathy is bad. Oh, I think we might be bringing in Heather. Ooh. Ah, Floozy, see if you work in UX, we we need to talk. I benefit from not working in UX, officially. Yeah. Okay, that was one ring. And now we've got an echo. And a dead Schultz echo. Echo, echo, echo. Let's say narcissism over and over again. <laughs> I can't, we can't hear Heather, Andrew. No. I know you tried to call her, so you might want to hang up. Anyway, um, she almost made it on. We were going to, she's yeah. the poor things in the airport. So she's going to have trouble getting connected. I know she's incredibly frustrated. Um, but yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, th- I do agree. I'm, I'm listening on our chat room right now that empathy as a concept is overused. Um, but people don't practice it enough. They say they're being empathetic and they don't practice it enough. Um, it's hard to be empathetic. Yet, like you said, you have to do all the things that you just talked about. You have to get out of your own way. Mm-hmm. You have to realize you're in the in in the zone for the moment. I think a good tumbler or a good community social artist is mm-hmm. has to have a certain amount of empathy. You can't, sure. right? You you yeah, can't. Yeah. I'm just trying to think. If you don't have empathy, you can't do it, right? Yeah, that's. I can I can safely say if you do not have empathy, you can't yes. develop community. <laughs> I think that, yeah, I think you're probably right. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's totally true. Um, I'm looking into our. This is usually the time of show I try to bring in some folks from the chat room. And Floozy's going on. Empathy, empathy is as um, we, some people wield empathy like a spear of truth, empowering their own ego as they push through an agenda. Have you seen that happen? Okay. Um, people, I, I haven't could, seen that. Hmm. No. I, I, yeah, that sounds that sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah, that does sound um, horrible. It's becoming a weapon I, of mass destruction. Okay, I I I I've seen I I've seen words and concepts used like that. Yes, I I recognise that mm-hmm. behaviour. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not aware of it with empathy, um, but um, but I guess um, if you work in the UX community like mm-hmm. Lucy does, and I, I can mm-hmm. imagine, and she'll have to te- she or he will have to tell us, but. If if you're at a, you know, you have a client, right, and you're yeah. doing a briefing and some project manager is saying, 
that we were we were empathetic and we found that our users want X and you this is what the users say they want and yes. I understand the user I guess that can be wielding it as a sword <laughs> but that's not being empathetic to the people in the room at the moment no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> you know I think uh, I was right. thinking about it more in 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 um, so much of of what we've been talking about I think is about living in the moment isn't it completely yeah yeah. Um, and that's why I, you know, I find it difficult to talk about it sometimes because it, it's, um, it's something that I do. It's, it's what I'm going to get up in the morning and go and do tomorrow. Uh, and I don't necessarily get much time to reflect on what it is and how it works and why it works and what I'm doing, except when I get to talk to other practitioners, you know, and we, I think that's why this kind of thing is really important that that we, you know, we we get together and we talk about it because that's how we'll that's how we'll find out what, what works, that, what it is that we're doing, and what works. Um, it, left to my own devices, I will just keep doing it. Well, as long as you're being yes, but that's why left to your own devices. If it's working, that's great. I think yeah. we just need to be more, I, I'm, I'm, I, I guess I'm sort of on a passionate road to make all this stuff more explicit rather than implicit. Mm. Right. So mm. that's, that's the only way that it becomes more explicit, I guess. Yeah. 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 Um, well, I, I'd love to be able to do that, but what my experience has been is that it, it comes, it's, it happens best when somebody gives somebody else takes on the role that I'm normally the person Oh, you know, so that so that it gets drawn out of me. I find it yes. very difficult to kind of yes to, to flip it for myself and say, okay, I'm going to spend some time thinking about what it is that I do, and I'll come up with some tips and some ideas and 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 helpful stuff. Well, that's that's probably because you, like myself, I can't speak for Heather or Kevin, are. Um, are think best when you're thinking with others and are conversational, you know, so it, it, it helps to have someone interview you. Um, I, I think also to me, uh, and I was sort of trying to get on this earlier, but we kind of went in a different direction is mm. I find that people who are good at this kind of being a social artist and community builder and connector and tumbler mm. tended to never fit in one bucket or another. Yeah. So, so yes, I mean, I, I, I went to drama school and I trained as to be an, an actor. The next thing I did was I went back to university and I, and I got a degree in computing and IT. There you go. And wow, that's really, you, 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 you got your left and right brain working, didn't you? Completely, yeah. And then straight from there I went and worked um, for, in, in a government organization, the, the Audit Commission, who... Um, that doesn't sound very sexy. Am I, audit, am I right? It's, it's hugely sexy. How, it is. How, how dare you? <laughs> I don't audit, know. The audit of public money is a uh, oh. how public money gets spent is yeah, that's exciting stuff. Surely, how many yeah. how many how, how many paper clips you get for your tax dollar? Oh yes, Does, that is that yeah. is that is rather. Um, um, so I, you know, I went into into performance measurement and 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 how to sexier you know. still, yeah, and that <laughs> but that but that then got me into being in that in that space, uh, got me into through information management into knowledge management and getting uh -huh. to start to talk, getting to start to talk to people, 
um, and getting people together to do things um, and helping people find each other within an organizational structure who had a lot in common but didn't know about each other because the, their reporting lines didn't allow them to talk to each other. It's funny because, <laughs> oh, yes, you know, there was a period for those of us, I had just graduated university when all this performance measurement and should, dare I use the word Deming and t mm -hmm. TQM, yeah. total quality management, um, were popular theorems. But it was very funny because you're right. We lived in this siloed world and they were trying to, I hadn't thought about this, but the business world was, you know, I had a temp job at Citibank and how I blew into Citibank is a longer story, but thanks to my graphic design background, I got to do web stuff there. But this first job I had there was all about this kind of performance measurement and TQM. And now that I look back at it through our current lens of the web and webbiness, um, it's ironic that all these business and management consultants and all this were trying to do improvements at companies and and get collaboration going by putting together four you know four quadrant boxes and mm. <laughs> they were trying to trying to get businesses to be you know think outside the box and be you know more creative and they were doing it in a very uncreative way so it's kind of funny yep. <laughs> if yep. you think about it Absolutely. that way right yeah. but we yeah. have to I, I think we have to swing yeah. You know, to extremes and, yes, and right. you know, doing that took doing that for me, you know, essentially what I was what, what we were all trying to do there was reduce enormously complex public services down to a few numbers. Um, wow. And when when you when you do that and you take it to the extreme, you see how ridiculous it is and you start to think about what well, what what are these what are these groups of people really doing? What, how do they work? And you start to see, you, you look at them and you, you start to, um, you start to understand how these, how these groups are working. Right. Yeah. It, it, it is pretty funny to see. And we almost had to live through, mm. um, the past 20 years to, you know, well, uh, to, yeah. you know, you had to sort of, we sort of had to have the internet and the web and the connectedness and all that for, for us to be where we are at the moment. I, I find it really interesting to, um, I, I, when I'm feeling most cynical, I, I kind of view the world we're living in today as sort of re revenge of the creative, you know, and I mean that yeah. in the broadest sense, you know, the, the, the true, you know, yes, you need people who have very deep knowledge in an area, but without connecting those dots, it's not going to go anywhere at all. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so wait, we have a question, I think, from the chat room here. I'm trying. Floozy, I'm hoping this, she asks, I'm assuming it's a she with the word floozy. How do you measure results now, by action or happiness meter? Uh, 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 I try not, yeah, personally, I don't, I, I don't get hung up on results. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, yeah, it, it's, it's, what is it? It's, it's what, what's actually happening. Mm -hmm. um, and what have we got now as a result that we didn't have before? So it's that kind of. <laughs> Floozy's not, not a girl. Ah, Floozy's a guy. I love that. You, Floozy. Uh, yeah. Um, blah, blah, blah. And, and yeah, Zena's saying, yeah, processes don't have results. It, it, it's an I ever... don't know about that. Processes can have results, can't they? Yeah. 
Well, they 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 have outputs that then are inputs yeah. to other processes. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, Look of. at this. We're getting into a whole left brain conversation. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Um, but what was I saying? Um, I don't know. Um, yeah, how how do you measure results? Absolutely. I mean, that's what we're that's what we're doing a lot of at the centre at the moment. It's kind of saying, well, how do we how do we measure whether anything succeeded here or not? Mm-hmm. We know we know that it has. You mm-hmm. you can look at these you can look at these things and say, yes, that's a success. But but how do you how do you measure it? Do you need to measure it? Well, that's the other thing, right? It depends. It depends who's asking and for what purpose, right? I mean, I, 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 I've had the. I mean, also, if you if you're not the CEO of a business, you you can have the luxury very often of not measuring. I mean, the world still works in sort of we have to measure certain things and you know give numbers and all that. But um, I also think we are what we measure. Not not unusual, and you can measure anything. Uh, you know, you can measure things that don't even feel measurable. I mean, you can measure smiles. You can measure, you know, you can, you can, um, there's a lot, there's a lot of, of things that you can measure and, and determine. And, you know, I, I love this quote and I think it was, it's, it's sort of a, um, stolen from a, a, a deeper philosopher, but John Hayes, who is, runs marketing in American Express of all places. That's why I like quoting his, the fact that he said this, has said, we tend to overvalue the things that we can measure and undervalue the things that we can't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that, that is the truth. And that's yeah. sort of what we're trying, you know, the glue that, that sort of, you know, that, that the thing that, that when you know a good community or, or one of your projects now at mm-hmm. the university is, 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 is humming, yep. it, it's sort of a combination of a lot of little things that you couldn't probably necessarily yet mm-hmm. um, figure out how to measure or put in place. I actually think I worry a little bit if, if we can start to measure collaboration because maybe we'll suck the life out of it. But I also think that I want people to start being able to sort of, like I said, explicitly write about it. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know what yeah. you feel about that. No, I, I, I do too. I want, I want to be able, but I think we will do it by writing about it and by developing qualitative measures out of, out of that. Um, we've got to talk about it and, and give ourselves the space to reflect on, on what, what happened in a way that without interfering in the, in the process itself. Right, um, right, right, right. But but who does that? Who who gets you know? <sighs> and and what's actually happening? I, I, what I'm observing happening at the moment in our centre is yes, is individual residents and people who are working there taking the time to do a little bit of that reflection themselves. And wow, that's probably due not, not in any small part to to the tone that you guys have set there. So I, bravo. I, I hope so. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important. And, you know, on that note, I'm going to, we try to keep our show to an hour. We do do a post show. So um, I think uh, I just want to wrap this very intimate conversation up. We had such a nice yeah. little intimate conversation. Yeah, thank you. Thank Lloyd you Davis much. and Deb Schultz. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just want to say, uh, I just think, you know, exactly what, um, you know, the work that you're doing is just really, really 
um, important. And I, I think if people want to find you online, where should they find you? Uh, they can find my, my personal blog at perfectpath.co.uk. And uh, from there, you can find out more about the Creative Collaboration yeah. Project, the yeah. Tuttle Club, if you're in London on a Friday. Yeah. Um, come, come along. If you're in London on a Friday, ping me on Twitter and say, and, you know, and uh, I'll let you know where it is. And and uh, if anyone out there wants to, you know, engage with Lloyd to learn more about sort of online engagement strategies and community, you can find him there as well. Mm-hmm. And um, with that, I will uh, take a moment to say to for more information about Tumblr's Tumbling, about this podcast, you can visit us at TumbleVision.tv. That is spelled T-U-M-M-E-L-V-I-S-I-O-N dot TV. You can check out our archived episodes with amazing guests um, covering everything from government and politics and everything around the tumbling landscape um, and about how to listen and participate in the live show. Every Thursday we tape our show at 6 p.m. Pacific time, 9 p.m. Eastern. We do a little bit of pre-live show fun stuff with our guests, and then we do a little post-show. So live definitely has a whole different added dimension. Uh, next week's guest is TBA. We're working on, the, on scheduling a couple of uh, new fun stuff. And just to remind you all, the Tumble Vision is produced in Baltimore, Maryland, by the lovely, smart, brilliant Andrew Hazelit, whose last name I always mispronounce. And you can find Andrew at thenewmodern.net. And with that, we will say, tumble out. <laughs>